You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And as I mentioned, this wouldn't be a fantastic week to uh, put this together here. Um, Part of the 1988 Cincinnati Bengals Super Bowl team, six-year NFL veteran, host of the serious uh, NFL uh, radio in the AM, Mr. Solomon Wilcots. First things first, Solomon, I appreciate you taking time out. I know it's a very, very busy week. Uh, obviously, Radio Row, Super Bowl week, and the fact that you are a fan, uh, former Bengal. How's everything going, and how's the week treating you thus far? Uh, it's going great, and yeah, it's been a great week. Um, it's still early, and you know, the last time the Bengals were in a Super Bowl, I was actually playing in it. So it was a total different experience than uh, being here as a member of the media and now covering my former team in the Super Bowl. But you know what? It's an enjoyable ride, and I just feel like either way I'm playing with house money because I was born and raised in Los Angeles as a Rams fan, and I was drafted by the Bengals. So I have a vested interest in both teams. I, I don't know if that's playing both sides, but I feel pretty good about my chances. Ah, so you'll be the guy there maybe wearing a Rams hat and a Bengals jersey or vice versa. So either way, we got <laughs> yeah. you covered. No, I'll, I'll be all in Bengals stripes. It's just the Rams are kind of in my heart, if you know what I'm saying. Understood. Understood. And before we get a little bit deeper into this Bengals team and this Rams, Rams Super Bowl this week, um, obviously this is the Locked On Browns podcast. There were a lot of thoughts and a lot of expectations on this team after what they did last year. 11-5 and five last year. You win a playoff game on the road. This year – injuries uh, mounted the Odell Beckham Jr. situation that never worked out for this franchise came to a head. Ironically enough, Odell Beckham Jr. in the Super Bowl this week with the Los Angeles Rams. But if you can just maybe some thoughts here about my, uh, for my Browns listeners about a team that, you know, you can use a lot of words, but for me, I think the biggest term that I can use for this season was underachieved. Oh, there's no doubt. I had high hopes for the Cleveland Browns. Remember They signed a couple of guys that came in from the Rams and John Johnson and Troy Hill. Um, They had added Jadavion Clowney to the pass rush unit opposite of Miles Garrett. Um, Drafted a talented cornerback, you know, from from, uh, Northwestern. Listen, I just had very uh, high hopes. I still believe they have one of the best offensive backfields uh, in terms of, you know, Nick Chubb um, and Kareem Hunt. Great offensive line, right? And you also had a top receiver by the name of Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know what happened there, by the way. But anyway, it's you know, the Browns had a talent. They had a really good roster. And um, But listen, this goes to show you it's more than just about names on a roster that brings about wins. You need chemistry. You need guys who are going to play together. You need leadership at least twice Two or three times during the year, I've heard the quarterback and your star pass rusher at the end of games point fingers at coaches. That's not the way you go about winning. So this is more, for the Cleveland Browns, it's more than just about going to get players and collecting uh, names on the back of jerseys. It's about collecting quality people who know what championship football looks like, who know how to win and know how to stick together during adversity. Uh, and certainly, you know, because, uh, you know, when the times seemed to get tough this season, it seemed that things didn't work out for them in that respect. 
But getting to the game of all games this Sunday here, I think it's a very interesting dynamic between both teams. Uh, You have the Bengals maybe, you know, probably maybe not supposed to be here just yet. But, hey, um, you know, you win week in, week out in an environment like this. I think they're just young enough where they come into this and maybe nerves won't be as big of a factor um, for them as some other teams. The Rams, um, look, they were here a couple of years ago. They didn't win it. They didn't get the job done, which led basically to the whole acquisition of Matthew Stafford. I was wondering if you could uh, reflect here a little bit on the dynamic of both teams, because for the Rams, this feels like a must win with all that they have it invested in this team and everything they've done the last couple of years. And whereas the Bengals, it really looks like it could just be the start of something that could maybe lead to, you know, this opportunity and maybe a couple of others. You know, I think anytime you get to Super Bowl, it's a must win for both teams, right? You, because, <laughs> you know, many of us who played for the Bengals in 1988, played in that Super Bowl, and now 30 years later, you don't get back there. There's no guarantee you're coming back. So you get here, you better take advantage of it. I think many of those Rams play are, already know it after what happened in 2018. Go talk to the Atlanta Falcons team that lost to Tom Brady after being up 25 to three at halftime. Um, if oh we'll get it, we don't have to win this one because we'll be no. You better so you better treat it like it's a sense of urgency that it's a once in a lifetime shot because yeah, while Joe Burrow might be back, the other guys won't be back. You know you don't know that you get to come back with the same team. No, I I think as young as they are, they're very much aware that it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. To, to make history, to be part of history. This is where legends are made. And so, no, it's you've got to dot every I, cross every T. I think both teams are filling that. But the reason why both these teams are in the big game is because they're used to playing on that razor's edge. They're used to answering the moment. You know, um, I, I've always said, you don't get to a Super Bowl until you've already answered the call of adversity. And both of these teams have been there. I mean, the, the Rams dealt with it in the middle of the season where everybody was already starting to dig a grave for Matthew Stafford because he's throwing pick sixes, played his way out of it, didn't he? Um, you know, Joe Burrow had a moment where he was had a string of games of throwing some interceptions, and they had lost games to the Jets, to the, to the Chicago Bears, and to the Chargers, and to the 49ers. And everybody was like, ah, maybe the Bengals are just the Bengals. Maybe they're still the Bungles. That's what people were saying. But they've played their way out of it and end up beating some teams no one thought they would beat. Winning in circumstances, no one thought they would win in. But that's how you get to a game like this. So they've already kind of come out of the valley, and now they they just need to climb a little bit higher to reach that mountaintop. And that's, that's why it's going to be a great game. Uh, just a couple of thoughts here. Um, one of the things that's been most impressive for the Bengals throughout January, it's not been the offense. The offense that you know had some really, really good moments this year. Of course, Burrow. Of course, bringing Chase in, Higgins. Uh, you know, everybody knows what uh, Boyd can do, and of course, Joe Mixon. But the Bengals' defense. Um, you know, throughout the regular season, it just didn't look like a unit that was getting much done. But they kind of hit their stride here over these last three ball games, and you know, not but certainly didn't break. And we're able to keep this games in contention and allow for Burrow to get them closer. Certainly allow for the January heroics of Evan McPherson. Yeah, listen, um, this defense is better than what anyone believes. They can rush the opposing quarterback with Trey Hendrickson, um, with Sam Hubbard, right? 
they can steal the ball in the passing game. That's why they've been able to close out all three of their postseason games with interceptions off Derek Carr, with interceptions off Ryan Tannehill, with interceptions off of Patrick Mahomes. They've shut down some of the best offenses, particularly in the second half of ball games, where they've shown strategically to be able to make significant adjustments to leverage, you know, their ability to win ball games. So um, sometimes the numbers don't tell us all we need to know, just execution. And then by the time the game's over, you're like, how did, how did that just happen? <laughs> and that's how Bengals have won some of these games. Even after they beat the Kansas City Chiefs the first time, week 17, I was doing radio interviews just like this. And it's almost, there was this, you know, this sort of this, uh, people were incredulous in thinking that the Bengals were going to go into Arrowhead Stadium and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And by God, they did it again. So it's, you know, I, I think the Bengals are one of those teams that a lot of people aren't going to believe in until it's over. Not going to know it's happened until it happens. And that's okay. Because as long as they believe in themselves, I think that's you and I both know that's really the only ingredient that's required here. No question about it. And I think the fact that the defense has played so well to this point, it's certainly inspired the offense, you know, in understanding that, you know, now that this is a team that's working in unison, working as one on both sides of the ball. Before we let you go, Solomon, we got to do it. Give me a prediction, maybe on a, you know, a winner, of course, and perhaps maybe a, you know, Solomon Wilcott's favorite to be Super Bowl MVP. It's going to be a dogfight. It ain't going to be easy. Bengals win 30-27. Joe Burrow is your MVP, becoming the first player in NFL history to win a Heisman Trophy, a national championship, and a Super Bowl. And already at a young age, we're going we're gonna to say this is the guy we've been waiting for. And could you imagine that? All of that in his back pocket, and the kid still maybe has, what, 10 to 15 more years of NFL play to go ahead and fill out the rest of his story. Pretty amazing run for Joe Burrow and the Bengals to this point. Sure is. I love it. All right, Solomon, enjoy every second of it. Enjoy the week. Enjoy reminiscing, reuniting with friends from the past. Uh, Appreciate you for taking some time out here. Everybody, Bengals, Rams, Sunday, getting excited. Start getting those Super Bowl menus ready. We do want to thank Solomon Wilcox, obviously former Cincinnati Bengal, for his time sitting down on Radio Row today. We have another great interview that we are going to get to later. As everybody heard, Peyton Hillis has now moved into acting. So we're going to talk to the writer, producer, director of The Hunter, Mr. Uh, Michael Hamer. We have that coming as well. But now we're also going to sit down with Dr. Michael Bansby. Um, If you guys are not familiar, there is a knee cartilage repair procedure called Macy. Um, and it is something that is starting to work and show uh, some improvement. Um, for me, at 47 years old, I am one of these guys that certainly is interested of things of these nature. As medical workings back in the day certainly are to where they are now. Um, Dr. Bansby, could you just talk a little bit about this and kind of basically how this ball all got started on where there's people later on in their years now are finally getting an opportunity to do things that they haven't been able to do with their body for a long time. Certainly, yeah. Thank you for having me on. Uh, you know, I'm um, one of the Los Angeles Rams team physicians, and you know, this is a procedure that can be used in our, our professional athletes, but, you know, also, as you've been saying, our, our weekend warriors as well. And, you know, the issue that we're talking about is, is 
knee cartilage. And, and I'm here on behalf of a company called Baricel that makes a product called Macy, which is where we can actually take some of the patient's own cartilage cells, grow those in a lab, and then reimplant them into the knee. You know, the, the issue is that the, the knee cartilage, which is the smooth, glossy surface that covers the bones, can get damaged. And it's actually very frequent that it gets damaged. And when patients start having complaints of swelling in their knee, locking, catching, that kind of thing, it typically is secondary to this cartilage damage. And the, the natural history of a cartilage injury is that it doesn't heal. The cartilage has a very poor ability to heal. And so what will occur is that the, the cartilage damage gets worse, and then ultimately they get to this point where they're bone on bone and they require a knee replacement. So that's what we're trying to, to avoid. So if we can get to these injuries, when they're still in sort of the pothole phase, we're actually able to, to re-implant these cartilage cells into that area, allow that cartilage to grow to give a, a perfect surface, and that allows them to get back to, to athletics such as football, basketball, um, you know, yoga even, and, and then also the, uh, the stuff that we can wear likes to do, cycling, uh, hunting, fishing, all those kind of activities. All right. Now, as far as the procedure getting started, uh, doctor, um, you know, as far as beginning to end, uh, I'm sure there's a rehab process that's got to go along with that. But from the beginning of said process, what would be a time window that, you know, people are looking at? Well, I think that the, the most important thing is to not ignore the issues in the knee. So if somebody is having some mechanical symptoms, some swelling in their knee, locking, catching, that kind of thing, they should see their physician. They can go online to www.maci.com. That'll give them more information on the procedure as well as physicians that are in their area. And then they can go in and typically get an MRI. And then with that MRI, you know, you can see if you're, you're potentially a candidate for this procedure. So then what we do is we start with a knee arthroscopy. We go in there with a little camera. We're able to clean up that lesion, but also take the biopsy that's then later utilized to, to grow the cells. You know, that initial procedure is very simple to get uh, uh, recovered from. You're able to walk on it right away. Within you know, two or three weeks, you're pretty much back to normal. But then if, if the lesion's large enough where you like to proceed with putting the cartilage in there, that is a little bit more extensive in that you do need to be on crutches for a few weeks. You know, it, it takes, you know, a few months to get your strength back, your range of motion back. But in the end of it, you know, that by the six to nine month mark, you know, that, that cartilage lesion that could have been a full thickness lesion with exposed bone is now normal cartilage and will allow you to get back to all activities. Okay. And now as far as a recovery type of process, I'm sure there is, you know, some sort of rehab process, pacing yourself, all of that type of stuff that goes into this, Dr. Mansby? Exactly. Yeah. There'll be physical therapy that'll be afterwards that'll help with the strengthening and the range of motion. Um, you know, and uh, it's, it's something that you need to be followed on regularly. You'll see your physician every uh, six weeks or so, so you're ultimately fully recovered. Okay. And now the success rate from your patients, the general experience, your patients, you're finding a lot of people that have, you know, gone through this procedure and thankful, feeling much better, getting back to things that they maybe haven't been able to get back to. Yes, you know, the technology actually has been around for around 20, 25 years. And uh, Macy, uh, this is actually the third generation of this technique of, of growing the cells and implanting it into the knee. And so there's a lot of studies behind this. In fact, it's been uh, available in Europe for the last 15 years. And they utilize these randomized controlled trials to get it FDA approved. So, you know, there is extremely high success rate, you know, comparing Macy to other cartilage procedures and uh, patients do uh, very well and it's a very reproducible and predictable outcome. 
That is great to great to great to hear. Um, now, obviously, with your time with the Rams and obviously getting all the boys ready for this week, how in that respect, how have you and the team done? I mean, are you guys confident? I mean, you a have to feel good because you know you still would like to be working this time of year um, with your players and not getting guys ready for off season. Um, more getting them ready for that last game. What's the feeling, boys? Ready, all fresh, ready to rock on Sunday? Yeah, certainly. I, I think that the feeling is is good all around. You know, the, the Rams have been so successful this year simply from keeping their routine. So I would just say that it, that it has been routine this week, um, you know, trying to just keep everything the same, really, just in relying upon our success. You know, we were a pretty healthy team. Um, we expect uh, all of our players out there. And, you know, I think that, you know, this, this, despite the optimism that uh, Solomon has, I think we're going to be okay. Ah, good thing he stepped away when we talked about this. That was probably good for right, and good for you, good for me, good for the interview. Um, but Doc, I do want to appreciate you t- taking your time here today. And this is something. Look, I mean, you know, you see so many people, um, you know, as they age, and you know, everything's there as far as the mind and the willingness. But sometimes, you know, unfortunately, you know, the body isn't. So you see so many people that are, you know, missing out on so many things that they'd love to be a part of because just unfortunately, the body wasn't willing. You know. Yeah, I, I think that it's really important to take care of the body, and, and that's why you don't want to ignore these injuries because we have good technology now to, to take care of these problems become before they become, you know, irreversible. Most certainly, most certainly, Doc. I want to thank you for your time. Um, appreciate you. Um, obviously, you know this is a busy week, um, you know, for you, and obviously an opportunity here for you to talk more about the Macy cartilage repair. So I do appreciate you for your time. Um, glad we could educate some people here on you know some advantages, some alternatives for them. Um, hopefully, you know, to live better, enjoy life a little bit better. So again, I want to thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. No problem. Have a great day and enjoy everything on Sunday, Doc. Again, Take folks, care. Rams, Bengals, Sunday, SoFi. And we are going to talk a little bit about everybody's favorite protein bar, Built Bar. This is the time of year I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not a New Year's resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you are missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They are fluffy. They are marshmallowy. They are not just a protein bar. They are a treat, and they are covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy uh, cinnamony churro. Coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, so good. These are going to be your new favorite. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, the puffs are included. 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two dollars to $300. Go to Built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most of the bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious, and it will be good for you. At Bilt Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they seem to pull it off every time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, all caps, no space, and get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 
for 15% off at built.com. Hey, Browns fans. This is Jeff Lloyd with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up. Cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Again, download the app for free. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out at any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card, or for Amazon and other brands. Again, download the free GetUpside app. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. Again, promo code TOUCHDOWN. I don't know if you guys have heard. Um, Browns that have been um, you know, past Browns in the news. Peyton Hillis is part of a new project, a movie called The Haunting Movie. We are sitting here today with the writer, director, producer of The Haunting Movie, Mr. Mark Hamer. Mark, first things first, we appreciate you taking some time out for us here. Um, always appreciate, you know, Cleveland's own and, and getting together, collaborating, and help promote each other's work. Um, first off, talk a little bit just about the premise of the movie, how this all got started, and then of course we'll kind of get to how we ended up with um, Madden Coverboy um, and one of the greater stories in the new new era of the Cleveland Browns being part of it. Yeah, well, hey, thanks for uh, having me today. It's a real honor to, to be here talking to you and uh, especially, uh, you know, talking to all the, the Cleveland faithful that uh, that follow you. So we really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so the, the movie, The Hunting, you know, like we uh, produced it all in Cleveland with uh, almost all Cleveland cast and crew. And, you know, like our whole thing going into this film was to make a Cleveland production. Um, and uh, the, the premise of the film you know, kind of goes back to uh, a story that uh, our co-writer, Terry Ryan, um, kind of came up with. And Terry is a, a retired Marine. And, uh, you know, like he would always talk about, you know, some of the, the friends that he had had that, um, you know, would come back from service or combat and, you know, just kind of have this uh, this saying that the beast they brought back with them, you know, meaning they you know, kind of went one person came back a little a little bit different and so he kind of had this idea about putting together a, a film that kind of used that uh as a a metaphor and so you know we uh made a werewolf movie um and really the the werewolf within the film is a a metaphor for that idea and um you know like that's the 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 premise so the soldier in the in the film comes back um from active service and he's you know kind of battling with uh pts and uh you know, some bodies go missing in, in the woods in a, in a small town, Ohio, which, you know, in our case, so we ended up shooting Manaway and we just called it, you know, Manaway. And, um, you know, the Peyton's character, uh, which, you know, I'll talk about Peyton a little bit, but um, his character is a detective and uh, trying to get to the bottom of it. There's some uh, things that happen within the film that he can't quite understand. And uh, he enlists the help of a wildlife specialist, uh, this this. A uh, young woman who owns a wolf sanctuary. She comes and helps them, and they uh, try to get to the bottom of it. And so, yeah, that's kind of the the whole the whole premise of the film. Nice, nice. Now, one thing I do want to get to, and the one thing that I've noticed here is, 
Um, obviously, you know, for the last two years, this country has been, you know, kind of in a stranglehold as far as what we can do, what can't we get, what we can't do. Um, here it is a project of yours that you're very passionate about, something that started, um, you know, before the whole COVID time restraint, whole, just again, stranglehold on the entire country started. So here it is, obviously something that you have a lot of time, a lot of effort into, you know, basically your, you know, your baby, your brainchild. And now it's time to go and, you know, you're ready to film and you've got to do it, you know, dealing with this global pandemic that's going on. Talk a little bit about, you know, that and just trying to get through the day-to-day -day process of, you know, basically, you know, getting the actual film shot. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fantastic question. You know, um, we had this idea and we had the, our, our script written uh, pre-COVID and uh, production plan and everything kind of like ready to go. And then, of course, you know, March of 2020 happens and, you know, kind of uh, the, the world turns upside down. And so, you know, we had been working on this and uh, for a while and we just got together and said, like, what are our options? Either we just don't do it, you know, or we find, you know, a solution to do it. And, you know, like we aren't like the, the type just to kind of give up and say we're not going to do it. So we're going to try to figure out a way to do it. Um, and what did that mean for us really is uh, we had to change a lot of our scenes, you know, from being interior scenes to, to exterior scenes. We had to bring down, you know, the amount of characters we had. So we had fewer people, you know, on set, fewer people, you know, like in any one particular room at one at one time. Um, it basically changed up a lot uh, and that kind of enabled us to move forward and and go on with the, the film with a, a new production plan. And, um, you know, we did everything you need to do as a, any business does, you know, like you kind of take all the, inf the information that you have at that time and, and make the best decisions. And luckily no one uh, on our, our cast or crew, you know, got COVID during the, the production. We were able to shoot. Um, we shot 21 days, actually. Um, majority of it ended up being outside in November and December of 2020, just because we wanted to have that, uh, have that be a thing when we're when we're shooting. We want to have everybody indoors, you know, with uh, closed windows and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we went through, we did that, and uh, you know, luckily got on the other side, and you know, we're still able to to shoot the film. That is fantastic to hear, and you know, certainly, you know, when you have so much into something, um, it's great to see that you know you were able to overcome. Uh, everything that was going on at the time and still finally, you know, get to the final processes of, you know, getting everything shot so you can get to the point of releasing this, you know, for people to actually see. Um, kind of interesting here. Um, you know, Peyton Hillis, uh, you know, for a while came back into the Cleveland scene as far as maybe doing a little podcasting, talking some football. Everybody knows the, the one tremendous season Peyton had here in Cleveland, all eyes were on him, which obviously led to, you know, a Madden cover, you know, Cleveland takes care of its own, another to one of those type of things. Um, but how did the ball start rolling where, you know, ended up connected and, you know, ending up with, you know, somebody here who's definitely an iconic figure in Cleveland being a large part of the process of this movie? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it all goes back to, you know, our, our initial idea of trying to use as many people as possible, whether they live here or they have some kind of connection here. Right. We, we almost wanted to do it, to, you know, like 100 percent, you know, and we we're pretty, pretty close to it. But, um, you know, in Peyton's case, it ended up being the character that we were casting for was kind of like this, this physically dominant character, you know, kind of this like larger than lifestyle person. And, um you know, really the 
only a, a few people can can fit that bill, right? Like so when we're looking at it, we're thinking like maybe maybe it's uh, you know a retired NFL player because that's the kind of person that we're we're looking for. And so then we ended up looking at okay, who are some of the you know of course uh, retired Browns that could you know possibly do this and you know, we had, uh, you know, a handful of people we were looking at. Um, uh, fortunately for us, you know, we had a mutual friend and um, I was able to call Peyton up and, you know, kind of give him my pitch to come and, and do the film and, and showed him the script. And, you know, we were real lucky to have him. I mean, he said yes. And, you know, from there, we just started working on it. So, you know, that's really kind of how it, how it happened. We're looking for that type of that type of person looking for you know potentially uh, an NFL person and then a Browns person and then uh, you know calling Peyton and, and, and getting them to do it and uh, and he agreed and we're so happy that he did okay obviously running the football playing in the NFL is something you don't know so well about uh, Mr. Mark Hammer, uh, Hamer and you know this is something you know well so the transition of Peyton Hillis from football player to actor how did it go I think it went fantastic. And this is something that, um, you know, I had talked about before and why I had a lot of confidence in uh, Peyton and then just I think in any athlete in general, especially like a pro athlete, because you, you think about it like they've gone their entire lives, you know, uh, taking coaching and, you know, like being in front of an audience, being in front of, you know, like people um, learning a playbook, learning lines, you know, like there, there, there's a whole lot of similarities that, uh, you know, go back and forth there. So you know, like I had a lot of confidence that, uh, you know, that he can do it. And, um, you know, it was, uh, when we got to set, it was, you know, everything I was kind of like hoping for. Um, he came in, you know, guns a blazing did, you know, all that he possibly could. I mean, he, he went a hundred percent, um, and he listened to direction and he, he tried his best and, you know, like he thought about things, he, you know, memorized his lines and, you know, all that kind of stuff that really, you know, kind of goes into that, you know, profession as, as, as being an actor. So, you know, like, I really think he set himself up to do more of this kind of stuff in the, in the future, but we were really happy with, uh, you know, the way that he handled himself and was able to, uh, you know, take that coaching. Uh, and it's great to see, and you love to see, you know, former athletes, you know, finding themselves outside of the sport. We hear so much, you know, so many difficult stories about athletes, you know, post-retirement, what do they do in the next chapter? And, and you really like to see that somebody found something that they were able to contribute to, um, you know, feel good about and, and be a part of. So it's great for, obviously, for Peyton, certainly great for you, Joel Westwood, uh, Joel Westwood, and obviously, you know, Mr. Peyton Hillis in the hunting. Um, Mark, where and how, for those interested, how can they get their eyes on the hunting? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, right now it's in the uh, theaters uh, across the country, but it's in the, uh, the the top 10 markets, you know, like within uh, the United States. Um, in the Cleveland market, we're not, you know, we don't hit that top 10. So it's streaming here. Um, it's on all the, the major streamers. So it's on Apple TV, uh, Google Play, Amazon, Vudu, Redbox. Uh, you can even search some of your uh, your cable networks your local cable networks and uh look for it but it's called the hunting and uh yeah it's out there right now to see uh and just one last thing before we let you go here mark um for you yourself um where are you at as far as the beginning of the process the middle process and now as far as people actually getting to be able to see you know all your hard work all the hard work of everybody else finally coming to fruition 
now where you actually can sit down and, you know, people, you can get feedback. Um, obviously, you know, people you know, friends, family can start to give you feedback, what they liked. Just all of this as far as you know, where it started from just something simple to where it is now. Yeah, it, you know, it, making films like this are, it, it's funny because you spend a lot of time on them. And uh, really, you, you're, you're not allowed to talk about them, right? Like, so there, there's not so much that you can do, you know, up until it's released. Because um, that affects, you know, like the, the distribution and, you know, a whole other factors that go into it. So you work on something like this for, you know, two, three plus years, and you're not allowed to say anything. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, like it, it gets released and then now uh, you want to you want to tell everybody. And, you know, by this point, you're, you're just kind of like so excited to, to, to start talking about it. And so that's kind of where I am right now. Just just really, you know, excited to, you know, tell people to go watch it and, and really, you know, like appreciative of the, the support that we're getting. And, you know, uh, people talking about it with us, like folks like you, it's, it's just really nice for us, you know, to kind of have that support and then kind of have a, a platform like like what you're supplying here for us to, to talk about it really means a lot to us and um you know we're really proud that you know we were able to set out to to make this in cleveland with cleveland people and do all that and then now we're sitting here talking to you know cleveland people and people that are you know, you know helping each other out and so that's that's what's really really you know kind of nice for me is to be able to do that uh, ladies and gentlemen, listeners, I'd like to thank Mr. Mark Hamer for taking the time out here to join us here today to talk about the hunting available Apple TV, Amazon, uh, Voodoo, Google Play, Redback, Redbox, starring Peyton Hillis, starring Mr. Joel Westwood. And uh, great to see one of Cleveland's own here, uh, you know, finding his way, putting together a project like this, getting it to come to fruition. Everybody get your eyes on it. You know, let Mark know how excited you are about it. Let, you know, thanks. Uh, thank him for putting it together. You get to see it around from the past and, you know, Peyton, Hill- Peyton Hillis and this type of, you know, venture, you know, contributing his talents as he changes from pro athlete to young actor and taking direction, as Mark mentioned. Uh, certainly appreciative of Mark for taking the time here today. Um, with that, everybody, you know, we try to work here day in, day out, put together great stuff for you. Um, you know, Mark had reached out to me to, the other day and asked if I could possibly, you know, help her with a little promotion of the movie. My thought process was, hey, we talk about things on a podcast that's done daily, so why don't we talk about it? So it was great to get Mark here, get his thoughts about something that he's so certainly passionate about. Um, and again, you know, Cleveland looks out for Cleveland. We've always tried to do this here. Um, so happy for Mark. I hope and wish him nothing but success with the film. So everybody, get your eyes on it. Uh, get after it on uh, social media. Let uh, everybody know, you know, what you thought of it, you know, what you came away with here. It was great talking with Mark. And folks, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.